You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again to another Physics Ed Podcast. It's an interesting week this week. We're speaking with Erin Hughes, who's a senior surface water engineer and is very passionate about STEM education. You see, Erin grew up in the Torres Straits and she was surrounded by water and she really knew firsthand the impact that engineering could have on local communities. So, wind it forward to 2019, she's now a superstar of STEM and over the last four years she's been working on outreach programs which deliver engineering projects to remote schools across the Torres Straits in collaboration with Engineers Without Borders interesting life, I must say. So today we get to speak with Erin and find out just why she's doing this, why is she so passionate about this type of work, and her impact when it comes to education in the Torres Straits and potentially further beyond as the Engineers Without Borders program keeps on expanding. So interesting chat, very, very happy to have Erin Hughes on board, and I hope you enjoy. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech, and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. So you've been a bit busy this year? Yeah, it's been a pretty flat out here and um, it's still going. So yeah, we've still got a good half of the year left um, to get through a few exciting things. So yeah. Yeah, and, and that actually sort of brings up the point. I mean, so what have you been getting up to? What is what is it that you do? Well, um, I guess to give you a bit of background about myself, I'm a surface water engineer and I work for an engineering consultancy in Victoria at the moment yep. called Hydrology and Risk Consulting. But as well as my day job, I'm very passionate about uh, working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities in STEM education. So on the side, I guess I do a lot of volunteering for organisations such as Engineers Without Borders, running a lot of their educational um, programs and some of their Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander programs. And I'm really excited uh, to be one of the 60 recipients of the Superstars of STEM program for 2019 and 2020. So that's a program that looks at increasing the visibility of women in STEM as a way of breaking down sort of unconscious biases and stereotypes around women in the STEM industry. And they're doing a seriously decent effort on that. So guys, if you're listening on in, seriously, just type in superstars of STEM, you'll find this plethora of information about it on the science and technology Australia's website, but it's really a serious effort and a real, and not flippantly, like there's so much stuff out there that just needs to be more visible. And that's what that's all about, which is awesome. But you're clearly busy, I mean, doing outreach. And I definitely want to get into all that. I mean, Engineers Without Borders sounds awesome. But the um, just thinking just way back at the start, I mean, I guess science, why, why choose the science thing in the first place? What made you go, you know what, I want to become a hydrologist. I want to do this sort of work. Yeah, I guess a lot of my decision to follow this type of career path really linked back to my childhood and where I grew up. So I'm originally from the Torres Straits and that in itself was quite remote, um, but I was even uh, more remote, I guess. So I grew up in a fishing family and for a number of months at a time we were out on fishing vessels. So 
when I wasn't uh, in access to communities that had schools, I had to do uh, Cairns School of Education or School of the Air, basically. I, I did my um, classroom lessons over the VHF radio back in the day. And that was fantastic for me. It really gave me the opportunity to explore my interests and my passions and actually link them into my, my life and, and how it works in the world around me. So there was, I guess, that component that really, um, I, I got excited about STEM because of that ability to, to explore. And also, I probably didn't realise at the time, but certainly later on in life, the impact that engineering had on the world around me and my, my access to services and how it affected the community. And that was a real a big driver for what actually led me down the path of, yeah, studying engineering and becoming an engineer. Well, that's awesome. And what a great story. I mean, just as a little side note, I do so much work with distance education with this very, very variety of schools of distance education, do a lot of work with distance rural technologies in New South Wales. I just connected with um, a group through you know, Morton School of Distance Education out of Queensland. They had kids all over different stations around Queensland do have a passion for that. So that's the little side note. Oh, cool. You do that. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but anyway. Um, most, most people don't. They go, well, you did homeschool? I'm like, well, it's a little bit different to that. But yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredibly modern. And, and really, if anything, I'm just going to go on a tangent here. Cheesy to learn some collaborative skills at an early age. You definitely do. And I, I think that's the um, I, one of the things I regularly talk about, I guess, in, in school workshops that I do is I tell kids I certainly wasn't um, incredibly smart at science and maths, but something that my schooling taught me was how to learn and to have the discipline to teach myself. And that's just, that, that's my superpower. And that's sort of what's got me to where I am today and in my career. No, that's awesome. So there, wind it forward. You are an engineer. You are doing, you know, obviously work in the, in the industry truly, but you're also doing a lot of work in this outreach, and especially for Indigenous communities. Let's hear a bit more about what you've been doing with that. I'd love to know more. Yeah, so I guess the main program that I'm focusing on uh, for the last four years is the work that I'm actually doing back up in the Torres Straits. So about four years ago, we received a, a grant from Google, which enabled me to go up with a group of uh, volunteers who were both student engineers and professional engineers to run a series of workshops in some of the remote communities up there. And as a result of the success of that initial program, I've actually been able to um, secure funding and run that for the last four years. And um, I'm really looking at sort of establishing long-term community partnerships um, as a way to improve uh, engagement with STEM, particularly for uh, females and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Absolutely. So, yeah, it, it's, it's been really, really exciting, a fantastic program. And, um, yeah, it's, it's allowed me to get back home and, and hopefully share um, uh, an amazing part of Australia with a group of people. That's so cool. And, yeah, you've got to love a, um, an outreach thing that takes you home, by the way. <laughs> that's, that's just... You do, you do. It's, uh, my mum always jokes that I somehow try and link all my work to come home all the time. So. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. <laughs> But um, look, so Rado, just say I wasn't linked with your home. I'm in a community where I know you're going to come visit. What would I get to see and do? Yeah, so we generally link up with the um, schools within the region. So 
Originally, our programs were actually developed mainly for high schools, but we've redesigned them and tailored them so that we can not only deliver them in high schools, but we deliver them in primary schools right through to our preppies and pre-preps. So uh, if you, um, you, do, you are happy for us to come out to your school and run a workshop, we generally run, uh, we provide an offering of different types of workshops and they generally have a humanitarian engineering focus. So we give students real world problems that they actually have to solve through hands-on learning. Um, and our projects range, so we do things such as um, clean water filters, emergency beacon design, prosthetic limbs, uh, we do floating house workshops and things such as bridge design. And to give you, I guess, an example of the slight difference or the spin on, on some of our workshops, um, I guess the classic engineering build a bridge example. Yes, we do teach the kids about structural engineering and they do have to make a bridge that can hold a certain weight. But we also teach kids about... Um, I guess the triple bottom line and design approaches that you have to go to when designing and implementing a bridge. So they get a scenario where they actually have to build a bridge between two island communities, except for the chiefs of each island have very different uh, values, very different visions for what they need this bridge for. So the students have to actually do community consultation to be able to develop a bridge which would be suitable for the needs of both communities. Um, and on top of that, they get a nice limited budget, so they have to think about the importance of sustainability and the type of materials that they're also going to be making their bridges from. Yeah, that's realistic because, I mean, you, um, sometimes you, when, like we go out and we visit schools all the time and sometimes you'll hear these awesome projects, but they just, sometimes you'll hear the kids will just get given more, more resources, more resources. Oh, you didn't make it. I'll give you more resources. It's almost like there's this never ending pit of wooden sticks and paddle <laughs> and glue sticks and whatever. But in reality, in the real world, you've got a budget and you've got a timeline. Exactly. And it's not only, I guess, the design that's critical. You could come up with the best design in the world with a budget that you have. But if it isn't fit or what the community wants, no one's going to use it. So they actually get judged through three different components from um, the chiefs in the community, whoever, whoever they are. They will judge it based on have they met their needs. They get judged on a cost perspective. Have they made it within budget? But then also an actual structural perspective. It has to hold a certain weight to um, yeah, be effective. Which is good because the um, like I think of the community projects that ha happen around the place, and I love the fact that you're actually embedding it with the community itself. Because so often things get put on upon on high that may actually not work at in any way. I mean, actually, um, I'm actually thinking right now of a particular rollout of school halls, and there were some of the halls that were built or, or considered that were might have been built around the Snowy Mountains area didn't allow for snow. <laughs> So there were some issues and some consultation work that further happened. Um, New South Wales teachers and others will be very aware of how long that process goes. But the roof design had to be collaboratively changed outside of what was being required as a cookie cutter thing because it wasn't going to fit the environment that it's going to be built for. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, that's it. So um, now, but this thing, though, you're doing water filters and all sorts of stuff. It actually reminded me there was a project done by Joan Rory. She did this program called Ripples Make Waves, whereby she was taking students to Central and South America 
uh, mainly Central America, I think it was in Guatemala, uh, whereby the students would then work with local communities to improve clean drinking water, like for real. And then she would do this uh, 24-hour, she's nuts, but <laughs> she's, she's this 24-hour Skype all around the world where students would then call in from all over the globe to describe what they've been doing to improve clean water and whatnot. And I mean, it's certainly what you're doing with the engineers without borders is great. You're going out to these school, these schools and doing stuff. I imagine these students now would be in the, they would have the capacity now to teach others. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And it's not, certainly for me anyway, it's not about making everyone want to have a career in STEM. It's very much about providing role models for these students. Um, if that is in a space that they are interested in, in following as a career, but also giving them the understanding of the impact that STEM has on the world around them. And like you said, even with clean drinking water, that's an essential human requirement. And to have that understanding and that linkage to the importance of STEM in providing you that service um, is really important too, I think. So how often do you get to go out in the wide blue yonder and speak with communities? Like, I mean, you've got also a day job, like you've got, you know, you've got work to do. How often do you get to go out and do that? Yeah, so for our Torres Strait program, that is once a year um, and it's a full week that we do take, um, people will take leave and we try to link it outside of uh, university time so uh, our students can also come along too and participate. And then on top of that, uh, we're uh, available, I do link into um, other organisations such as um, ScienceWorks and run workshops with them when they have events on the weekend and occasionally um, as well uh, we have a very flexible work environment where I work so I, I do sometimes have the opportunity to go out during work hours as well and go to schools that, that are closer that I can drive to and give presentations. Oh, awesome. And now I'd love to actually just talk a bit more about the Superstars of STEM program itself, because I know there's people listening in who might just be well considering potentially applying for the next round. So I think you'd have intimate knowledge of this. <laughs> so, so tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, it's, um, I guess the reason why I applied was it's a program that certainly supports you in becoming more visible and it provides you the skills to do that effectively. So for me, I very much like to be, I guess, in the backdrops um, and not as forward facing. And it's slightly scary looking at, at, um, at what you would have to do as part of this program. And I went, well, this is fantastic. I, I should be doing this and I, I need to be doing this because there is some amazing um, voices out there that, in a way, I've been heard, um, especially because they might be a minority within a field. So, yeah, I, I did it and I applied for it because it slightly scared me. Um, but it's been a fantastic program so far in terms of the amazing support, the training that you get, um, and also the wonderful cohort of women. And I've gone away from nearly every session going, oh, my God, I didn't even know that that was a career you could have in STEM. Um, so there's some fantastic things you do learn. Which is it, too, because, I mean, it, it, it's a celebration of everyone's work, but also it's literally uncovering what some people even do. I mean, it's, it's funny how even as scientists or engineers or technologists or whoever we are, that we're often blinkered to not realising just how much is actually out there. <laughs> and we're the ones who are engaged, right? Yeah, exactly. So... Um, 
yeah, to, to come to that realisation pretty quickly in yourself when you're within this field, you sort of go, yeah, we, we definitely need to be uh, getting people's voices out there about what they're doing and some of the amazing work that's going on in Australia. Yeah, so it's, it's May in 2019 right now. So you've got a f- bit more to go with this program. I mean, what is coming up through this uh, series? Yeah, so for the first year in particular, a lot of that's around personal development and they link you in with some uh, fantastic workshops. So we have four workshops over the full year. And then the second year of the program is very much about you following your passions and how to um, use the skills that you've gained to, I guess, explore certain areas. Um, And for myself, that's very much within sort of these STEM education programs and expanding that and time my work very much into that. Um, The second part of the year of of this program as well does require you to do a certain amount of engagement with schools. So that's sort of a compulsory commitment on behalf of everyone who who accepts this program as well. Sounds to me like you'd have no trouble with that bit (laughs) because you're already doing it. Yeah, so I was, I was very lucky in terms of that. It is, I guess, the area and the passion that I have is pretty much linked into a compulsory part of the program. So That's an extra win just there. But so, so I, mean, I guess kind of wondering, um, I, mean, I mean, obviously you've got your, your formal work that you do day to day and that's clearly, you know, what you, you're, you're on about as well. Um, but there's also this side thing. I mean, you must be difficult kind of juggling as to what you, <laughs> what you want to do over the years. Yeah, I think I've been, um, yeah, I've, I've been really lucky uh, in terms of, um, one, I love my job and I've always linked, I guess, my sort of side passions into, I've been able to link them into my career um, and tie them in a way into what I do. So that, that's all, that's been very helpful and it's also been very helpful that, um, yeah, I, to, to tie things together, but I've also been um, in fantastic work organisations which do support, I guess, that um, sort of social responsibility perspective and supporting their employees. We really so, need to uh, give a shout out to where you work because they are doing. It's great that you're out and doing this. Uh, so, who do you work with again? Yeah, so I work for a small consultancy called Hydrology and Risk Consulting. So really tiny, we're, we're 25 people in total um, and specialise in sort of hydrology, risk management and hydraulic modelling. Uh, it's good on them because, I mean, uh, it's, I mean, obviously, I mean, some of this is done on your spare time too, but, I mean, you'll be occasionally taking phone calls to organise stuff as you have to do when those phone calls come in and <laughs> that's, the support of an organisation makes a huge difference for these type of things, which is just awesome. No, it's good on them. Um, and it's good that you're doing this. So, I mean, so when are you next heading up to the Torres Strait or have you got plans to go any other areas in Australia? Yeah, so this year um, we're heading back up in November and... Um, I've very excitedly received an additional grant, so we're looking at expanding. Um, we're expanding the trip and hopefully going to a few extra communities around the area to run these workshops as well as part of that grant. Um, and within that as well, I'm doing some sort of research into educational impacts to kind of hopefully try and provide some evidence around, I guess, my theory um, of the importance of sort of continual relationships um, with STEM education as a way to improve, um, yeah, STEM engagement for women and uh, minority groups such as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander 
um, people. So as part of that, I'm hoping um, it'll provide me a platform to actually expand this program and start more long-term relationships in sort of strategic remote parts of Australia. No, it's awesome. I mean, there's so much work going around this. We only just recently um, interviewed Corey Potter-Tutt, who out of the University of Sydney um, is uh, part of the veterinary school, if I remember off the top of my head, is in science faculty, is, is organising off his own bat, uh, getting books sent out to Indigenous communities working with elders, and it's just geniusely cool. <laughs> so I think it's really good. And it's so much that you can do with people who have a genuine thirst for this type of outreach. It's just a matter of having a, you know, someone to hook onto and clearly one of those people that they could hook onto. So knowing that, um, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, how would they do that? Yeah, um, well, I'm definitely on LinkedIn if you search for Aaron Hughes um, or as well, you can go through uh, organisations such as Engineers Without Borders um, to link into some of the programs that I manage uh, if you're interested in getting involved as well. Awesome. So what we'll do is we'll put all those links in the show notes so you can definitely go check all that out and hunt Aaron down. <laughs> but uh, look, much appreciate Aaron, especially just joining us in the afternoon. And no, it's not Friday. It's earlier on in the week. <laughs> it's Thursday. It's not quite there yet. Um, but uh, look, thank you very much for uh, joining us here and um, well done with uh, what you've been got up to so far. I mean, you know, being involved with superstars of STEM is fantastic, but the reality is that you'd still be knocking stuff down, making stuff happen regardless. So it's very cool. And, uh, you know, we're happy to you know, see what you're doing further on down the track. No, thank you so much for having me. It's um, been fantastic to have a chat. Thanks for listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. Sign up now for our fortnightly email newsletter. It's loaded with details on new experiments you can do, STEM teaching articles, new gadgets, exclusive offers, and upcoming events. Go to physicseducation.com.au. Scroll to the bottom and add your email. Well, there we go. We just heard from Aaron Hughes, who you can really tell is a highly passionate person when it comes to STEM education and improving the quality of life in remote Indigenous communities. And you can really tell... This passion is ongoing and will keep on growing as you keep on doing this work with Engineers Without Borders Australia. And this is something that you can get involved in. Why not reach out to them? Their website, again, is ewb.org.au. Again, ewb.org.au. Just check out what they get up to. And this is something that you could possibly get involved in in your holidays. Or if you know a scientist or engineer who just might want to get involved in, hey, flick in the link. Let them know that they can be involved as well. So I hope you got a bit out of this. I certainly did. It was great hearing what Erin Hughes has been up to. And I know that her work in amongst the superstars of STEM and in her own work with Engineers Without Borders Australia is making a significant difference. So that's about it for this particular episode. We'll be coming up with more education-based stuff in the next couple of weeks. Again, I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au